Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. Before we begin, we'd like to remind you that our ministry is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website. Welcome to Revolution. <laughs> yes. Glad you guys can make it today. And always thanks for listening online. If you like what you hear and you're on social media, let your friends know about what we're doing. Retweet. Text. Text. Don't text us. I mean, you can text somebody about us if you want. Facebook. Instagram. Yes. All those things. Um, I feel like I lost my Twitter mojo couple years ago I just gave up the fight and I stopped fighting with people and then I just kind of stopped getting retweeted (laughs) and my mojo was gone my Twitter mojo was gone Twitter is like the world is going to hell in a handbasket kind of you know and uh, Instagram is like hey look at me I saw that on. Hold on, my sister just texted me. Okay, it's her son's birthday today, so I gotta. One of my nephew's birthdays today. Happy birthday, Jonathan. Um, so yeah, yesterday I was sick. That was great. Threw up for an hour. That was awesome. And then also found out one of my a very lovely lady, Mavia Vito, who is my godmother passed away so that was sad news a lot of history there when I was a little kid I would sometimes play sick at school and she had an office at the school and she would let me stay in her office and uh, when I got older I was like you know did you know I was sometimes faking being sick (laughs) and she goes yes I did she's like but you know what, sometimes I felt like you needed attention and you needed somebody to just love on you a little bit so that I would open my office and let you lay in the office just, you know, so you remembered that you were, you know, cared for. And uh, that always meant a lot to me that she did that. And life is, man, it's crazy when you start losing lots of people you care about. Um, so today I was trying to think about, I was thinking about what is about Jesus and what Jesus did and a few of my favorite verses about Jesus. And so I'm going to start with one that I talked about before, but I haven't used the new living in a while. So I really like the translation of this verse in new living. So I'm going to use it. And it's in uh, Matthew 2, 13 through 17. Then Jesus went out to the lake shore again, and he taught the crowds that gathered around him. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at his tax collection booth. Come be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up and followed him. Okay, first of all, this is just the first part of the story. But that's the radical stuff right there. 
just the Jesus is walking up to a tax collection booth and going, hey, tax collector, um, why don't you be my disciple? I mean, Jesus seemed to pick the worst people for his group of disciples, um, people who were not respected amongst uh, anyone. Uh, tax collectors were seen as traitors to their own people. And this is Matthew, actually, who he's talking about. And uh, so Matthew was, 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 people would not make eye contact with Matthew. They wouldn't want to see Matthew because Matthew could take like up to 40%, I think, of what you belong to you. Whatever extra he could take, he got to keep. And he was working with the Roman government, which meant that he was betraying his fellow Jews. So this is Jesus's way of calling people in and saying, you want a job? And uh, that's interesting. Um, I once saw a play where it was, I think it was like the trial of Judas. And I think Matthew was in, for some reason, Matthew was, had to give his testimony from purgatory. <laughs> I don't know why he was in purgatory. This is a New York play, you know, so it's artsy and hip. And um, Matthew talks, he's like, you know, when Jesus came up to me, he actually saw me and he looked at me, you know, and he's like, you know how often people have gone without looking me in the eye? You know, and it was like an incredible feeling to be seen. And it was a really beautiful moment. I wish I had the had the script so I could read it because it was really, the dialogue was really beautiful. So it says, that night, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to be his dinner guests, along with his fellow tax collectors and many other notorious sinners. There are many people of this kind amongst the crowd that followed Jesus. But with some of the teachers of religious law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with people like that. They said to his disciples, and this is why I like this version, why does he eat with such scum? I get it says scum. I don't know why. Um... When Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call sinners, not those who think they are good enough. Now, I've done a sermon did 50 different ways on this, on this verse. But one thing is beautiful, of course, like I stated before, is that Matthew was separated for a reason. He was separated for a reason because he was seen as a traitor to his own people. And there was a lot of separation in Jesus' religion. Jesus was in, I mean, that's the Pharisees made themselves who they were by who they separated themselves from. Um, That was one of their big things, is that they were separate and called apart. Um. But you hear, you hear Jesus, he says here, he goes, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. You see Jesus hanging out with the wrong people, dining with them, building relationship, making a covenant with who people consider the wrong crowd. And I mean, I kind of wish somebody would have read this to me in high school. I think I would have liked church a little bit more. Because when I went to church, it was always the opposite. It was always, don't hang out with this crowd, don't hang out with these people, don't associate there, don't go with girls that do or whatever don't drink or chew or go with girls that do um but yeah so that was that was 
a weird thing, but it was like, what is Jesus doing here? Jesus does it again in Luke 15. I've got both my swords, my big sword and my dagger. Um, I bring my Bible everywhere I go. And uh, last time I went and saw Pete, he thought that was pretty funny. He's like, you still got your Bible with you? <laughs> like I'm ready to do battle. I'm kidding, of course. Um, Luke 15, 1 and 2 says, Now all the tax collectors and okay, now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners, even eats with them. And then he goes in and tells a story of uh, the lost coin, um, the lost sheep, and the this the parable of the prodigal son. But so here but here he is again being with the wrong people. And what is Jesus doing? Is Jesus, you know, is showing us humanity. And it's it's strange to think that God would have to come into flesh in order to show us what what humanity is. But that's what he's bringing, trying to bring back to his people and bring back to the church is humanity. What it's like to be human. What it's like not to be separate from other people. What it's like to love one another. What it's like to love the, the least of these or what people consider the least of these. In uh, John, four twenty-seven, even his disciples get a little shocked with who Jesus would speak to. In 4.27 it says, Just then his disciples came and they were astonished that he was speaking with a woman, but no one said, what do you want? Or why are you speaking with her? You know, um, Jesus made it clear that no one was off, out of bounds. And that's what it is to have a human experience. And that's what Jesus was having, the human experience of not separating from people. He does it again. And I'm, I mean, I started thinking of all the different verses and I couldn't cover them all. But he does it again in um, Matthew 19. I got to get some post-its so I can keep my notes. I wish I had everything memorized, all my sermons memorized, so I wouldn't have to have notes and stuff. Um, But that's just not me. Matthew 19, 13. Looks like I wrote down the wrong address. Oh, here it is, yeah. 1913. The little children were being brought to him in order that he might lay his hands on them and pray for them. The disciples spoke sternly to those 
who brought them. But Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not stop them for it is to such these that the kingdom of heaven belongs. And he laid his hands on them and went on his way. Children were also seen as despised groups of people and having no worth. And they were used and abused. And it's strange because we're all children, you know, and to be of no worth is, is strange. And that's why the disciples were like, get these kids away. Why are we bothering Jesus with these children? And once again, Jesus says, bring the little children to me. You know, so bring the children to me. He's speaking at the woman at the well. He's at Matthew's house. Um, that's not to mention all the times he's, he's healing people, which is, makes him unclean. So Jesus' humanity is being an unclean rabbi is being the one who's not afraid to be dirty, the one who's not afraid to touch the, the wrong people, the one who's not afraid. That is the human way. Paul made it clear, a clear in Galatians, My Bible is almost bent open to Galatians. I read it so much. Galatians 3.28 says, There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male and female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. So Paul took it to the next level because Paul was reaching the, the Gentiles, which most of us in this room are Gentiles. Um, but Paul says, you know, there's another, these status are no longer existent. The difference between male and female, Jew or Gentile, free or slave. You know, all are one. All are equal in Christ. So, you've got that. Like I said, not to mention all the times Jesus touched lepers, uh, sick people, this. And why is this important? Is because it was forbidden by the law. I mean, these were things that were forbidden for Jesus to do by the law, and Jesus had to change it. There had to be no outsiders. The whole system of the outsider and the separation had to stop. So do you know what that means? Like, no outsiders. And we all have our own group of outsiders. I mean, that's when Jesus said, love your enemies and do good to those who persecute you. Even further, saying... No outsiders. We're all one in this human experience. And that's a challenge. It's a challenge now when you see your president or our president or somebody's president on TV saying the things he's saying, getting mad at football players for using their right, their own, you know, standing up for their rights. It's, it's sad. It's, it's really sad. Um, but how do we love all people? How do we keep people from being the outsider? How do we live like Jesus did? Now, Jesus did not do this perfectly. Um, even Jesus had his moments. 
And I felt like it would be unjust to talk about this without bringing up one such moment. In Matthew 15, Jesus left the place and went away to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Just then, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and started shouting, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by demons. But he did not answer her at all. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she keeps shouting after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. He answered, It is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. Now this is not one of Jesus' glorious shining moments. There is, uh, talk about humanity, there is uh, a little bit of humanity there and a little bit of um, separation. So Jesus has these moments too. And you've got to wonder sometimes if Jesus was, humanity allowed him to follow, follow to peer pressure, to follow the worries of what other people thought and there are times where he gave into that or not. People say, well, Jesus was sinless and he made no mistakes, you know. But not according to the law. You know, Jesus was (laughs) impure. He was constantly being impure by just everything I just, all these different verses I just read you. He was impure because he was eating with the wrong people. He was impure because he was touching children. He was impure because he was touching lepers. He was impure because, you know, he was letting... Letting everyone take part, but all of a sudden he doesn't hear, or does he? He answered, "It is fair for me for the children to food throw to the dogs." And she said, "Yes, Lord. Yet even dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table." Then Jesus answered her, "Woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you are as for as you wish." And her daughter was healed instantly. Jesus repents. Jesus is moved by someone who goes, wait a second, this doesn't add up. This is not the humanity that I hear about in the Christ. This is not the inclusion I hear about this Christ who's coming through. This isn't the teacher that says I've come to call Sinners, not those who think they're good enough. This isn't the teacher who defends the little children, you know. And so she calls him out on it. And what does he do? He turns away from his closed heart and closed mindness and opens his heart to her. So in a way, it looks like Jesus repents, which is not crazy because God repented. We don't talk about that a lot. Our, our uh, 
Reformed brothers and sisters don't like to talk about that one as much. Because God is, what is it, unchangeable? But supposedly God can change her mind. Oh, did you see what I did there? (laughs) But I think it's incredible that God would want to come to earth and show us what humanity is about. And we need to be reminded of this. And the reason I brought this up today is because I think I get caught up in the Bible sometimes and, and forget just about the humanity that Christ showed and these little, you know, areas of just... I'm so Paulinian sometimes that I, get, I don't get completely Jesus-centered, even though I've been a lot more Jesus-centric lately. Um... It's important for us to realize that there's no outsider. And it's important for us to know that even Jesus had his moments. And it's important for us to know that often when we're persecuted for being with the wrong people, that's okay. But who is your wrong people? You know, who are you being persecuted? There's a lot of people I can hang out with that you know, necessarily because I've been written off by a lot of people. I don't get persecuted. I get probably more persecuted if I hung out with my dad by people because I get a lot of messages about that. I'd probably get more persecuted if I took a picture with him. I have one from the fair two years ago. But if I took a picture where it was just me and him smiling and being like, hanging out with dad, people would be like, did you talk to him? Did you rebuke him? Did you rebuke him? Did you do this? You know, did you set him straight? I mean, man, if anybody thinks you can set your parents straight, doesn't have parents. Um, there's a good, I just saw part of Mark Marin, the uh, stand-up on Netflix, and he talks about there comes a moment where you realize your parents are, let's just say, human, for the best term. And uh, kind of crazy. And that happens. But that might be the least of these for me and for you. I was looking through some old sermons and I saw one of my sermons was called The Televangelist's Son. And I was like, oh, that's strange. But I thought, you know, I've been thinking about verses and like just changing them on their head a little bit. And, you know, how they had the Pharisee would pray, thank you, God, that I'm not like that sinner over there, you know, that in in the Bible. But I often wonder that also we have people who go, oh, thank God I'm not like that legalistic preacher over there. Thank God I'm not like that televangelist over there. Or thank God I'm not like that person. I mean, this is the challenge. This, how do we love these people? How do we pray for these people? Because that's what we're called to do. Prayer isn't really that hard. You know, I mean, it takes a little self-discipline, but, you know, maybe that's a good place to start and say, you know, Lord bless them or bless your heart, as we like to say in the South. But that has a whole different meaning. So where am I going with this? I'm going with this just to challenge us all to, to love those who need to be loved, to reach out to those who are in a 
Tory centers because the, the the game has changed, the, the world has changed, and people are changed by relationship. They're not changed by me preaching a sermon up here. You know, they're not changed by by books. Often, usually, people read books that already agree with what they believe. Anyhow, I know I do. Um, I've tried to do the other opposite, but man, it's tough. How do we become human? And how do we show humanity to other people? Today, I was on the ride here. I was behind this slowest truck in the world. Um, and I'm just, oh, I'm just, it's 30 miles an hour, okay? Guy's going 24. Just keeping it, just keeping it slow. And I'm just kind of burning a little bit, you know, like, oh, this is driving me crazy. Hopefully I can make this work. I don't know if I can make this story work or not, but we're going to try. And uh, all of a sudden I look, and he's got like this license plate in the back of his window. This is Alabama. This is Jesus. And then I realize he's got an American flag hanging in the middle of his his car where his, <laughs> his mirror is. And uh, then another thing it says, "Walk, follow me." The, walk this way to follow Jesus or something like that. And I was like, man, Jesus is really slow. Um, <laughs> you know, another one, that, another thing that said, God bless America, you know, and I wanted to pull over and be like, listen, you're really making Christians look bad by driving so slow. <laughs> I did not say that. Um, but you know what I did is I honked at him as he pulled over. He pulled over for a second and I honked. I was so mad. Oh, and it says, Proud Baptist on his vanity plate. On his yeah, it said Proud Baptist. So I did that, and I'm pulling up here. And the funny thing is, is he's all of a sudden beside me and honking his horn. And uh, that was interesting. But you know, for me, it was like, did I honk my horn and did I get more upset because he was a Christian? Did I have a harder time loving him because I I automatically saw Alabama and Jesus and the bumper sticker, so I was just like, this is who you are. I'm going to sum you up. I have a story in my head of what kind of person you are, and you drive really slow. Um, we all have our issues. We all, you know, don't love people for certain reasons or treat people for other reasons it wasn't that big of a deal but I was on the way to preach a sermon you know and talk about God's love this was already prepared I didn't prepare it like when I got here you know loving the least of these and you know realizing that maybe the person with the big Jesus bumper sticker is to me the one that I'm called to love not honk at you know, but I couldn't even have a patience enough to go 24 miles an hour rather than 30 miles an hour. It's a change. If Jesus can change to be more open to people, if Jesus can be moved to repentance to be more inclusive, if Paul, the apostle, 
can be called to reach the people that he was literally trying to destroy and trying if he can reach people that he was completely against not just christians but gentiles you're going to reach gentiles you're not even going to reach your own people anymore paul there you go love these people convert these people and man it was a mess if you read anything about it it was a mess Paul's always having to write letters like, oh, what are you guys doing, blah, 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 you know, and then he's got the, like, the main 12 giving him crap about it, you know, and then they're not following the rules and they're not wanting to sit with Gentiles and they're not wanting to sit with the wrong people. It's like there is a struggle to be human and a struggle to not be the freaking high school cafeteria where everyone's separated by cliques or race or things like that. There's a struggle for us to be human to one another. And it's just so easy to ignore it. That's why I'm nailing this in a little bit. This is why I'm being a little bit repetitive with this is because it's just too easy for us to ignore it. It's too easy for us to become comfortable with it. You know? And so I want to challenge us all to love more, be open more, maybe make a phone call to that relative that done you wrong or something and see how they're doing. Could you, you know, just not, I'm going to use myself as an example, you know, not calling to say, dad, you need to get your act together because that's not necessarily going to work, but call to say, how are you doing? You know, what's going on? Besides everything I hear on the internet. (laughs) It's definitely hard to love. It's definitely hard to show that humanity that Jesus showed. Um, This type of sermon was a lot easier to preach 10, 15 years ago when a lot more of the people I cared about were the outcasts. You know, but now that I've started to be more with more and more liberal people in my church and then I and more progressives and hanging out with more progressives, I realize we've got other people now that we have to love and it's become a lot harder again. You know, I liked it better when it was easier. I'm not going to lie. Like, you got to love LGBTQ people, you know, and I'm like, and that's what I do. (laughs) You know, loving the Pharisee. And, you know, it's not easy. But do we want to see change? Do we really want to see change? Do we want to see something happen? Do we really want change? If you look at Martin Luther King Jr., you look at Gandhi, these are people who did not cling to their own way, but they met with the oppressor, even if it cost them eventually dearly cost them their lives, but cost them being imprisoned and beaten and everything. But that's because they had hope for their oppressor. They had hope that that, they saw that they were under, that they were struggling with sin. You know, that Bull Connor was a victim of misinformation and that he was struggling, that his prejudices were sin. 
And MLK, Dr. King, wanted to see him set free from that. He didn't want revenge. He didn't want it that. He just wanted to help say he set him free. And it was unfortunately a very disheartening time. So, MLK, Jesus, Gandhi, these folks, can we love radically like Jesus did? Can we go up to the tax collector and say, be my disciple? Can we handle it when we love the people who make us not popular or make us not famous or make us not desirable? That's a tough one. So I challenge you guys today to do that, or at least think of ways we can do that. You know, or for a lot of us, that might just be literally picking up a phone and calling a family member because <laughs> it's that close. So there's my sermon. I'm going to pray real quick. Lord, I thank you for your grace and your mercy. I thank you for your love towards the unlovable. And I ask that you help us to open our hearts to that. Open our, help, open our hearts to the people that need to be loved in every situation. And that we would just be vehicles for your grace and for your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, if revolution, you consider revolution your church, you like what we do, um, and you listen, maybe you're listening online, maybe you're listening in the room, um, we, we are nonprofit and we survive by donations, and we really could use your donations to keep going. Um, it's been a tough few months started this thing back up and then it got tough (laughs) I did it in a room and it was going okay (laughs) so you know we also want to get more of an online presence that's why I was mentioning retweeting and re-facebooking re-facebooking I don't even know what a re-facebook is um sharing I guess sharing is caring um hopefully gonna maybe get a Paula was here last week who puts up all the website stuff. You know, hopefully we might get a new website put up and things like that and just have a more of an online presence and just keep pushing this thing forward and, and see where it goes and make changes that need to be made. Um, but we definitely need support to do that. Uh, we've got bills to pay. And ironically, we have bills to pay and we have to pay the people who help us pay those bills. Yeah, that's what happens when you reach a certain level of church success is that you hire people to help you pay your bills and then you have to pay those people bills too. little irony. I wanted to read one more thing too before we finished and I thought I was going to read this at the beginning and I just remembered it. Um, and I'm hoping I, hoping I can find it. 
This is from the Deconstruction Podcast. Have you guys listened to that? Yeah, it's some good dudes. Um, but this is from uh, Brian McLaren. It says, But before Christianity was a rich and powerful religion, before it was associated with buildings, budgets, eh, crusades, colonialism, or televangelism, it began as a revolutionary, nonviolent movement promoting a new kind of aliveness on the margins of society. Thank you. <laughs>